0: The following audio is from Downtown Church, a kingdom-focused, gospel-centered, multi-ethnic, multi-class ministry in Memphis, Tennessee. For more information, please visit downtownchurch.com. This resurrection morning scripture, reading is taken from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 9 blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus christ according to his great mercy he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of jesus christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable undefiled so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him You love him, though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of the lord
1: thanks be to god thanks be to god he is risen saints he is risen he is risen well first of all i want to thank y'all all for being out here uh it feels so good it's just surreal that we haven't met in a year like this and it feels so good to be together even though i feel like a lot of people way away from me uh, i've been vaccinated so uh, you don't have to be that far away but uh, it is good to be in this place i want to give a round of applause to all of our volunteers that have made this happen this morning <laughs> there were people here by 6:30, making sure that everything got set up and um, I just want to thank them for that. Um, also, we are excited about being able to offer two morning services, and I hope that um, I hope that you will take advantage of that. Uh, we are still taking COVID very seriously. We're still doing temperature checks, wearing masks from the moment we get out of our car to the moment we get back in our cars on Sunday mornings uh, over here at Streets Ministry. Um, and uh, so I want to assure you of that. But we just felt like bringing those two services together on Sunday morning uh, might fit our schedules better, and that, and, and more, most importantly, we could do it safely. Um, so before we uh, dive into this passage in 1 Peter, let me pray for us, and then we'll dive in. Our great God, we thank you this morning that... Though Jesus went into the tomb, he did not stay there, but he became all of our sin, and he suffered the pain of hell. He suffered your betrayal, your back turned upon him so that we might not ever experience that. He secured your love for us by receiving your judgment for us. And so, God, I pray this morning that you would come down by your spirit and you would do a mighty work in this park, that you would open our hearts, that you would keep us from distraction, that you would focus our attention upon the beautiful, powerful word that is yours. And you would bring new life in our hearts, O God, that you would revive us, that you would encourage us, that you would change us, that you would do a mighty work. And we pray this in the blessed name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. Well, friends, it's been a year, and that's the understatement of the year. Uh, This last Wednesday night, doctor Sung Seung-chan Ra, a couple Wednesday nights ago, reminded us that in the last 12 months, we have experienced a global pandemic, an economic crisis, a civil rights upheaval and movement, um, and an insurgency on our capital, <laughs> And he told us that any one of those four things are a lifetime event. Any one of those four things, one in a hundred years, and yet we experienced them all in 12 months. And to think that you and I have not, have come out of that unscathed would be crazy. Indeed, as Peter said, as as Miss Donna just read, Uh, we have experienced grievous trials that have tested the legitimacy of our faith. And indeed, that is why we have come to 1 Peter this morning. Because Peter is writing to a church that is broken down and beaten up. He's writing to God's people during the time when they're having, it, they're having a hard time focusing on the hope that they have, and so he knows that in the words of John Krasinski, he's got to bring them some good news, but not just any good news. But I don't know if you caught it, but at the end of that passage, uh, Peter says the kind of good news that he's bringing in this passage is news that angels have longed to look in. That's the kind of good news that we need. But friends, I fear that many of us have drifted from that. And indeed, the believers in, uh, in, in the church that Peter's writing to have uh, drifted away too. And that's why he's reminding them of the hope that they have. But they, I don't know what they were drifting to. But I think for us, many of us have, have found that hope or at least a, a, a synthetic hope in social media. It's so easy to just go and to get our little sound bite uh, to go to instagram and 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 find our insta evangelist like Glennon Doyle, who uh, would tell us um, that that indeed it's okay to not be okay It's a good message. We go to uh, Enneagram ashton who who knows us better than we know ourselves because Uh, She tells us or gives us the commands of what you do not tell your Enneagram type. Like, you never tell an Enneagram 2 that they are not invited. You never tell an Enneagram 3, any of those out there, slow down. (laughs) It just doesn't go well. Oh, oh, Enneagram Ashton, how did you know? How did you know? We go uh, to Brene Brown, who calls us into vulnerability and tells us that the last thing we need is someone reminding us of our shame and rubbing our face in our shame. And we all say, amen, sister, amen. We go to uh, Sonia Renee Taylor's message of overcoming body shame and radical self-love. And all of these are good messages. All of these provide a little bump, a little encouragement in that long night or during our lunch break or uh, while we're just taking a break. But are they enough? You see, Peter, I think, would challenge us today as he is challenging, and get this, not unbelievers, but believers to remember the hope that is within them. Peter is reminding the church. You know, when I first was reading this, I was thinking, oh, this is going to be a great evangelistic passage. But then I saw God kind of got hold of me and said, wait a minute, Richard, no, this is not to unbelievers. This is to my church. My church needs to hear the good news. Because my church can get so low and can get so down. Life and circumstances can beat them up so much that they need to be reminded. Because there's this slow drift away from the radical nature of the gospel hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And so Peter writes to say, hey, I've got something better. It's better than that last shot last night that Gonzaga threw up with like .3 seconds to go. It is better than that that dope new Netflix series. It's better than that book or that trip that you're planning. It is better, better, better even than not getting COVID. And so what Peter tells us is good news. And the first thing that he shows us is the resurrection of Jesus resulted in your new birth. If you are in Christ this morning, if you woke up this morning and you know that Jesus is your Savior, it is because you have been born again. You did not just get encouraged on Instagram by, uh, by, you know, by calling you to love or calling you to forgive yourself. You have been born again. Uh, Peter says this, Blessed be the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us, us, to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Christians, you have been born again. And what Peter is reminding us over and over is that that's something greater than our suffering. It's something bigger. It's something that can overcome our suffering. It's something that can get us out of our suffering. When we run to our identity that, no, 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 I am a born-again believer. I have been raised with Christ. Paul puts it this way in uh, Romans 6, 8. We were buried, therefore, with him. You see, we are united to Christ if we're Christians. That means we are so tethered to his side that we can't get away. Therefore, we have been buried with him in baptism into death. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. And before we consider what it means that we're born again, I think it's important that we understand what it's not. The fact that you and I are born again doesn't mean that, that somehow God just set reset, that somehow God just kind of brought us back to the starting blocks. If any of you have ever uh, run track, you know what a false start is. Uh, a false start is when somebody comes off the blocks before the gun goes off, and then there's like this, ah, oh, man, you blew it, but go back to the blocks. No. No. That's not what being born again is all about. It's not a second chance. That's religion. If that's all we needed then Jesus would never have told Nicodemus who was a Pharisee and lived an upright life. According to the law he was faultless. and yet when Nicodemus came to Jesus and he said, Rabbi, teacher, and Jesus didn't say, oh, well, you know, I've heard good things about you too, Nick. No, he didn't say that. He didn't even let him finish his sentence. He said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you are born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus, the religious of the religious, needed to be born again. He needed more than his moral standing. He needed more to stand on than his good life. Yes, Jesus said he needed to be born again, and so did Paul. And Paul, according to the law, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. According to the law, faultless, and yet he needed an encounter with the living God. And that's what you and I have had. God has singled us out. He has gotten deep in our hearts, and He's changed us, and He's brought us from death to life. Dear friends, we have hope. It's also born. Being born again is not just some mold that we've got to fit into. I think so many people don't want to come and and and, and be Christians today, and many of us lose the passion that we have of the resurrected king that resurrected us from the inside out because we think that in order to do that we've got to fit some mold that somebody out there or somebody in our own heart or those messages from our childhood or whatever is trying to impose upon us and no but being born again that's what it's not but being born again is found in verses eight through nine this is the heart of being born again Peter says, though you've not seen him, you love him. Friends, be reminded this morning, as Peter was reminding his people, that the reason you're a Christian is because one day, someday, some time ago, you fell in love with Jesus. (laughs) He had your heart, He had your soul. He had it more than the fear of COVID. He had it more than the fear of, of economic crisis. He had it more. His love for you was more to you than whatever is going on in your life. You fell in love with Jesus and that's what it means to be born again because love changes you. Love changes you. Someone that, it, that has fallen in love, what do we say to him? Oh man, you've changed. They got a different demeanor walking about. They got a smile on their face. They got a little joy in their heart. Why? Because so-and-so loves them, and they love them. And that's what it means to be born again. Notice Peter says this, in this, you're born again through the resurrection of Jesus. In this, you rejoice Though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials. He put those two things together. You're rejoicing in the midst of grievous trials. Dear friends, have you been rejoicing in the midst? Not just have you been surviving, but have you been rejoicing in the midst of grievous trials? Peter says, if not, remember that you have a lover and his name is Jesus and there is nothing that he has not done for you and nothing he will not do for you. You have encouragement in the reality of who Jesus is for you. And that, dear friends, will change you. I think we, we forget the radical nature of love. Just yesterday at 4 o'clock, I think I'm driving... Uh, I uh, forgot we're on virtual. I'm walking around. I'm sorry, Kyle. I'll try to. I'll try to. I'll try to stand right here. Uh, I hadn't got to preach like this in a long time to actual people. Um, but, but yesterday at four o'clock, we had a wedding. Uh, Keto and Sarah got married. Yes, and it's wedding season, and we got some other weddings coming up uh i think maybe our worship director and uh singing. there we go but isn't it amazing in a time in a culture that is the most individualistic maybe in the history of the world in the most skeptical moment in the history of the world in which love and all that stuff we feel like we can just throw out the window that people are still getting married. They're still coming together. Keto doesn't need Sarah. Sarah doesn't need Keto to make a living. (laughs) They They don't need each other. They're not trying to... They have fallen in love. And it's changing them so much that they're willing to leave behind. They're willing to say, through sickness and in health, They're willing to say, for richer, for poorer. They're willing to say, till death do us part. Why? Because we were made by love, for love, but not for a spouse. (laughs) Marriage, as great as it is, is merely a shadow of the real love that we were made for. If you think that getting married is going to satisfy you to the degree that you've been created to be satisfied, you've missed it. You have been created to give your life away, to be tethered to the side of Jesus Christ. That's what you're looking for, and as born-again believers, that's what we have. We are in a love relationship with Jesus, and that is the new nature that God has given us. Being born again is falling in love with God so as to give yourself away to Him. And brothers and sisters, again, and I'm going to say it over and over, Peter says that to Christians. Do you need to give your heart to Him again today? What have you given your heart away to? He says, bring it back to me. I'm the only one that you can really entrust your heart to. And then secondly... Jesus' resurrection not only means that we're born again, but Jesus' resurrection reveals our radical need to be born again. You see, the reason that a Pinterest post or an Instagram post or a Facebook post or whatever post out there, a tweet, the reason that's not enough is is because our problem, our root issue is not that we don't have enough information. But that we were spiritually dead and we need to come alive. That's the reason. It's not, these things are good, they're encouraging, but but they're merely protecting us and moving us forward, not to life, but to coping in life. And so what Peter is reminding us here when he says that we have been born again through the resurrection of Jesus, it means that we needed Jesus to live, die, and rise again in order for us to gain life. That is... That is how far we had fallen away from God. Paul puts it like this. He says, For you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you formed. And that's where we are. And so often we run back to that deadness. We run back to the reality that, uh, of, of living as if we have no hope like the rest of men. And Peter says, Remember, yes, You were dead in your sin, but Jesus came out of the ground and he made you alive. We need to hear that. Are you tired of the messages of the world? Lee Stein wrote an article that was published in the New York Times. It's called The Empty Religions of Instagram. How did influencers become our moral authorities? And listen to what she had to say. She says, I was once one of those millennials who made politics her religion. I lasted three years as a feminist activist and organizer before I burned out in 2017. That's when I began noticing how many wellness products and programs were marketed to women in pain and how the social media industry relies on keeping us outraged and engaged. It's no wonder we're seeking relief. I've hardly prayed to God since I was a teenager, but the pandemic has cracked open inside of me a profound yearning for reverence, humility, and awe. I have an overdraft now on my outrage account. I want moral authority from someone who isn't shilling a memoir or calling out her enemies on social media for clout. Left-wing secular millennials may follow politics devoutly, but the women we've chosen as our moral leaders aren't challenging us to ask the fundamental questions that leaders of faith have been wrestling with for thousands of years. Namely, who are, why are we here? Why do we suffer? What should we believe in beyond the limits of our puny selfhood? And then she writes this. The whole economy of Instagram is um, based on, our, on thinking about ourselves, posting about ourselves, and working on ourselves. Her point is clear. Self-love, rooted in self-acceptance, can only take you so far. Friends, we need more than that. We need to be reminded that we were resurrected with the living Christ, that once we were dead, and now we are alive, and it's, all, it's not because of us, it's because of His great mercy. That's what, that's what Peter says according to His great mercy. He has caused us to become alive. Dear friends, self-love is needed, but not apart from God. If you want to experience love, remind yourself that before the creation of the earth, God had His sight set upon you. And he knew exactly who you would be, exactly what you would do, exactly the struggles that you would have, as we heard from my brother earlier. He knew the struggle, and he said, You are worth the very life of my son, Jesus Christ. That's how much you are worth to me. You want to feel good about yourself today? You be reminded that you are the object of God's unmerited grace that he has lavished upon you new life and hope and you did not deserve it and yet he gave it to you. We need a love for self that is rooted in God's overwhelming love for us. C.S. Lewis said this, he said, God can't give us peace and happiness apart from himself because there is no such thing. Christianity apart from the radical love of God is not Christianity. And too often we move in the direction of not Christianity. We move in the direction of settling for the messages of the world. Thomas went up to Jesus and he said, Jesus, what is the way? And in that day it was common because religious leaders would, would all have a way, a path. You know, something that you must do in order to to gain the favor of God or the gods. And Jesus said to him, Thomas, I am the way and the truth and the life. That is what being a Christian is. No one comes to the Father except through me. And again, in John 15, he said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him... He it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Peter mentions faith or belief at least four times in these verses. Why? Because it is by grace through faith that you've been saved. We are um, um, held in the gospel. It is righteousness from beginning to end through faith, so says Paul in chapter 1 of Romans. So, if you need to be encouraged this morning, believe in Christ again. <laughs> Think on Him. Go to His Word and download His Word. God made Him to be sin. God made Him who knew no sin to be sin, so that in Him, Richard Reeves might become the very righteousness of Christ. You take 15 minutes, and you take that one verse And you close your eyes and you parse it and you say it and you break every word up thinking upon each of those words, letting God open your heart, letting him move you to love, letting him move you to worship. And friends, that is an encouragement that goes far beyond anything this world will ever give us because it's real. Why? Because it is based on the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the historical reality But then thirdly, the resurrection ensures a solid future. If we want to have joy this morning, it's not just about remembering that we were born again by his love. It's not just about remembering that his resurrection took us from death to life, and oh, we were dead, but now we're alive. But it's understanding that there is a future to this relationship, This is a relationship that doesn't fizzle out. This year, we have experienced a tremendous amount of loss. Fear has been a constant presence. It's been almost like a ghost, like a shadow that's following us around everywhere, in the grocery store, on the street, at church, in our neighborhoods. Whatever encounter we have with someone else, we're standing off of. Fear has dominated us over this past year and our frailty, the frailty of our human life, our economic markets, our democracy, our idealized hopes in our country have humbled us. We've lived on the defensive, organizing life around not getting COVID. And we're gonna let that bell sound. Take a drink of water. Amen. Well, here we go again. While the bell is sounding, I would like for you to name the people that you've lost. Just call out their names right now. Some of you uh, Catholics can tell us why it rings so long. Maybe, maybe that's Easter Sunday ringing right there. Thank y'all for your patience. You can't hear me? Okay. So it's going to ring for five minutes, but I'm told that you can hear me, so I'm going to keep rolling. Yes. Yes. As I think about those that I've lost, the names that I call out are Tim Russell brother that had just visited New York right at the beginning of the pandemic before anyone knew anything about COVID. And he came home and he started feeling bad and after a few days he was admitted to the hospital and he never got out. I think of my cousin, my 57-year-old cousin, Lee Cook in Op, Alabama. And I think about how he was healthy He did not fit any of the markers for being in danger of COVID, or at least dying from COVID, and yet he died. But friends, both of these men died believing in Christ. (laughs) Both of these men died believing that Jesus lived, Jesus died, and Jesus rose again. Paul told us in 1 Corinthians 15 that if we believe that, in this life only, then we of all men are most to be pitied. You are to be pitied if you um, are just believing in Christ because you find it to be a superior post or a superior tweet than someone else's. But if Christ was raised from the dead, if he was raised from the dead, and friends, what that means is that we will see Tim Russell again, and we will see Lee Cook again, and we will see those that your loved ones and others that have died in Christ. We will see them again, and friends, that is a hope that you simply cannot top. It is not just positive thinking; it is reality. Paul or Peter said this. He said that the. the that the trials have tested the genuineness of our faith that may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus. What Peter says, yes, Jesus lived, died, rose, Jesus ascended, but he's coming back. <laughs> he is coming back on the clouds, so says Paul, riding on the clouds and the dead and Christ will rise first and we will all meet him in the air. Friends, that is not just wishful thinking. That is the reality of the gospel hope that we share. And if it's not true, we are most to be pitied. But if it's true, then we have a power like none other. We have a hope like none other. Peter says it's an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven from you. COVID cannot touch it. Economic crisis cannot touch it. The injustices of our world cannot touch it. The the insurgency on the Capitol cannot touch it. Lewis said the death of a loved one is like an amputation, and indeed Tim and Lee's death are like an amputation, and we should grieve, but not as men who have no hope. Because, friends, one day, someday, when Jesus comes back, everything bad turns good. Everything dead comes alive. Everything broken is now whole. That is the reality. That is the hope that we have, and we have to hold on to that hope. We have to live out of that reality more than the reality of that which is around us. Think about superheroes. Who is the who is the the most who's the strongest superhero? The one you cannot kill? Why? Because they face life, they face adversity, they face attack differently. Why? Because you can't kill them. This is what Peter is saying: Nothing can kill you, dear friends. You don't have to live in fear. You don't have to live in in, uh, dreading the reality of death. No, death merely transports you into the very presence of the one who is your lover. That is your hope as a Christian. You have the hope of heaven, the hope of glory, the hope that if you truly believe that one day, someday, you will be eating at the table with Jesus, you will be feasting upon his food and his wine that you will be working with no curse working against you that there will be no night because day reigns forever in glory and you will never need sleep and you would never your strength will never wane why because the lord is our strength there is a day coming that makes this life look like nothing and it's because of the resurrection of jesus and the question that I have for you this morning is, is that really your hope, church? Is it your hope? Is it our hope? Is that how we're living? One last thing. Esau Macaulay, who wrote Reading While Black, he's African-American. He had an article published in the New York Times called The Unsettling Power of Easter. In the last paragraph of this article, he says this. Christians at their best are the fools who dare believe in God's power to call dead things to life. And then he said this, That is the testimony of the black church. It's not that we have good music, we do, or excellent preaching, we do. The testimony of the black church is that in times of deep crisis, we somehow become more more than our collective ability we become a source of hope that did not originate in ourselves. Brothers and sisters, what if the world saw a church like Downtown Church living so much out of the resurrection that no matter what came our way, nothing could stifle our joy, nothing could could get us down. Why? Because Jesus lived, Jesus died, Jesus rose again. Friends, if that is your hope, Would you renew your faith this morning? Would you give your heart to Christ? If that's not your faith, would you give your heart to Christ? I'm going to ask our elders and their wives if possible, or maybe you can just the wives, it doesn't matter to me. Our staff, if you would just kind of make kind of a semicircle from the side over here and just have your hand raised. And if you want to pray for somebody this morning, if you want someone just to help you offload the burdens of your heart if you want to give your life to christ if you want to give your life back to christ i ask that you come and you meet three feet apart i know it's going to be a little difficult uh, but three feet apart and masked up that we might pray for you this morning lord god we thank you for the hope of the resurrection we thank you for the reality that there is nothing that can separate us from your love Father, would you encourage your people this morning, may we be men and women, boys and girls that live boldly in the reality of who Jesus is and what he has done for us and what he will do for us. Oh God, would you encourage our hearts, would you move us toward him, and would you do so for your glory? We pray in Jesus' name.